0: Welcome to the PeopleSoft Chat Podcast. Our guest this episode is Colonel Greg Johnson, Functional Management Division Chief of the U.S. Army's Integrated Personnel and Pay System. And now, here's your podcast host, Senior Director of Product Strategy at Oracle, Robin Valaita. Welcome, everybody, to the PeopleSoft Chat Podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, Colonel Greg Johnson with the U.S. Army. He is the Functional Management Division Chief with Ipse, the Integrated Pay and Personnel System for the Army. Colonel, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Robin. Really, really uh, great to be here with you today.
0: Yeah, as you and I have been um, talking, going back and forth about how we can get this all scheduled, I was pretty excited about it because I think the Army has a great story to tell around using Oracle and using PeopleSoft. I couldn't think of a better format other than the podcast to make that happen, so thank you for joining, and I'm glad that we're making it happen.
1: Yeah, and you know, Robin, it's good to be here. And this really goes back a couple of years, right? As as we've we've known each other for a while now. As the Army's been on a journey for for several years, trying to upgrade its HR and using PeopleSoft and you know, IPSA in Army speak, you know, the Integrated Personnel and Pay System Army. That's Ipse for us. It's synonymous with PeopleSoft now. So yeah, just really glad to have this opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's great. We're going to get into all that because some people are not familiar with that term. Probably think we're speaking pig Latin or something. We want to tell everybody what uh, the systems are and and what we're talking about. Before we do that, we have to talk about uh, one thing that we do have in common and that is our Golden State Warriors. Right now, as we record this podcast, they technically have made the playoffs. Woo! You know, over the last two years, it would be hard to even imagine that happening. Now, by the time this gets posted, they may not be in the playoffs anymore. <laughs> Maybe the offseason. It could be the offseason, as you say. But, man, Steph Curry is just lightening up the, the whole league right now.
1: Just unbelievable what he's doing. Unstoppable, right? You know, no matter what folks throw at him and the team. They just can't stop what he's doing.
0: I mean, I remember even when he was in college, you know, he'd show up at the tournament and he was the only guy you needed to stop on that team. And, and today it's the same thing. You know, he comes across half court, you better guard him because he's going to shoot it.
1: <laughs> yeah. You just cannot stop, you know, either the passing or the, the shooting. I mean, yeah. it's fun to watch.
0: Yep. He is amazing. Well, anyway, I just want to let the audience know that both the Colonel and I will be watching very carefully and closely to see if uh, they can upset the world champs which if that's all we do this year
1: i'd be happy with that yeah that's that's a good point and the you know the world champs i don't know as it all plays out they may not be the world champs uh this year I and mean, there's yeah. a lot of contenders so but uh yeah i think my heart's with uh, the golden state warriors and 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 mr curry yep for sure
0: well, um, as we transition over to uh, what the Army is doing, I'd first like to let the audience know kind of a little bit about you, Colonel, and what your role is, and uh, maybe you could spend a little time telling us about that.
1: Yeah, sure. You know, I've been in the Army, I don't know, a long time, at least for Army standards, I guess, 24 years this year, and I've been an HR Focused specialty that that entire time. So, it came in as a as a lieutenant, graduated from ROTC um, at the University of San Francisco, and then you know has been on active duty since then. So, um, just a lot of a lot of years, a lot of different jobs, you know, multiple deployments, lots of experiences in the Pentagon, and then also um, doing HR, just at di- different echelons of the Army, um, all active duty. Um, uh, my current role is you know, in the Army. We call it a functional lead. It's really the 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 job is set the requirements um, for this capability um, for this HR system. And for the Army, it's HR, it's pay, and then it's ultimately talent management. Um, that's that's really the focus of where we're headed as an Army is moving from simply you know our traditional legacy HR. Systems to to more of a talent management system. So I, I kind of own that. Hey, what do we want for capabilities? And, and you know, we call it requirements. And how do I validate and roll the, that capability out in the system? And the Army several years ago chose PeopleSoft as is really the you know the bread and butter of what that HR modernization would use um, to get to a talent management type system. So. I think that therein lies our relationship over the last couple of years because of that decision the Army made quite a while ago.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that role that you have with the Army is not unlike the role that many of our customers have trying to match requirements from HR and personnel and talent and getting the technology to be able to meet those requirements. Except in your situation, the volume and the logistics and the number of locations I mean, I could go on and on, yeah, are exponentially larger. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the breadth of the of the system that you that you manage?
1: Yeah, size is pretty it's big. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a million soldiers in the in and we we say three components there's the active duty there's the reserve component, and then we have National Guard as well. So each state and territory in the United States um, has a, a National Guard entity. And so all three of those components equal about a million soldiers. And so we're rolling out um, this system using PeopleSoft, and we call it ipsa to all three of those components. And so that gets us to about a million users. And, you know, at this point, you know, we're, we're on the journey, so we've actually implemented IPSE into all the 54 states and territories of the National Guard. So we we got that finalized in early 2020, and now we're we're moving forward to adding about 600,000 more users in the reserve components and the active duty by December of this year. So that's our what we call Release Three implementation, which will have all HR and a good amount of talent type capability for all three components. But, you know, that's three components. And then you have different entities inside the army. And it is one big change management problem set to get folks to kind of change from this legacy, different systems, business processes, and, and just ways of doing business to getting all into one system. Uh, and streamlining those processes. So yeah, it's a lot of different entities, a lot of work, and certainly complicated. I know I scratch my head every other day, just like, yeah, this is a big project.
0: Right. Um, The complication, I remember, um, it must have been four years ago now, maybe three or four years ago, I was able to listen in on a call with uh, your functional admins, or HR admins, I should say, and going through kind of, what the requirements are i forget what the specific topic was but you had people calling in from all over the world how do you how do you work through a multinational organization like that and and be able to just come to an agreement on how things work <laughs> logistically uh is got to be a challenge
1: yeah absolutely it it is on a lot of fronts and and you're right. So if you think of the the United States Army, we're we're really operating across the globe. So most of what I talked about the three components, they're based in the continental United States, but um, there's also a, a very heavy forward presence. You know, you could think of Korea and Japan and Germany, and then we have consistent rotations to a whole host of other regions: the Middle East, uh, other parts of Asia, uh, Latin America. So you know, you kind of name it, the uh, U.S. Army's, you know, moving around in those different areas. In some of those countries that we have, uh, you know, we've had a presence since the end of World War II. We, we also have local nationals and folks from those countries that work for the United States Army as well. So and, and that's, you know, we've had those relationships for, you know, going on 70 plus years, 80 years now. But you know, I think part of our ability to pull those folks in is what's given us some success. Um, we've just been really aggressive in in running working groups that have been open to pulling in you know different areas and different teams and then having a healthy debate as to you know what you know those individuals' perspectives are tied to what the real the intent and in state of the army senior leadership is so there's generally heavy debate, you know, agreement. And then on on those areas that we don't have agreement, we really just, we, we line up for decisions, you know, the higher up uh, in the army leadership chain and and get decisions, not for the faint of heart though, Mm -hmm. because that's a lot of, it's a lot of entities that we're working through, but you know, I'm, I've been certainly blessed to have quite a, quite a bit of talent on my team that's helped us work, through all those specifics. Um, and then, you know, in a lot of cases, you've had to tell stakeholders, hey, we're, we're just not going to be able to get that done. That's, that's kind of a nice to have thing. It's not ultimately essential, especially for something uh, in release three. And then we, we have backlog like most other companies might have and say, hey, we can probably get to that later on as, yeah. as, we, as we go live.
0: Uh, all of our customers have to <laughs> work through that, right? The must-haves and the nice-to-haves and convincing those that want the nice-to-have that to wait <laughs> patiently for it. Um, those are all individual decisions that need to be made every day. And, and yeah. uh, especially at this time, when the nature of the world changes around us, we've got to be able to adapt. And sometimes what was important or high priority today is not tomorrow. And- we have to be ready for that,
1: right? Well, Robin, the other thing I would add is is that we've also tried to, you know, go into those discussions about capability, and you know, use the PeopleSoft product. So let let's not customize the PeopleSoft product to then just reengineer some legacy process that you know is tied back to 1950, and it, it, that's also helped us get through. I think some of the, you know, whatever loggerhead of disagreement at times, it's like, hey, guys, there's, and gals, there's this new way of doing it. Let's let the system operate and let's just change our policy or our business process to facilitate that with our release three and other other future releases.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's not worth going to the mat to continue to do something in the way that you've always done it. Just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean there's not a better way, way to do it. But I know that, Colonel, part of your rollout of PeopleSoft for the U.S. Army is not just to roll out a system to have a system of record for HR, which we all need, but I know your vision is part of a whole HR modernization effort. Um, and a lot of it has to do from, from, the, it's from the perspective of the soldier. I wanted you to take some time and maybe talk about what that vision is for HR modernization for the Army.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I I think Robin, maybe it's it's a good way to also talk about some of the problems because as I've talked to other companies that use your product, you know some of the problems are the same, and we've learned a lot from some of the other companies that that have used PeopleSoft. You know, the Army was essentially looking at about 200 personnel and pay systems throughout that three component million person army. And we were really struggling with, you know, how do you centralize and structure the data in ways that you can, you know, really learn from it and use it, track the talents, the knowledge, skills, experiences, attributes of soldiers in a better way. And when we looked at those 200 systems, you know, you would have to rebuild most of them just to to track some basic, you know, knowledge and skills. Um, Our systems weren't really built to do that and then with that many systems that many interfaces tied to those systems all kind of different operating you know software packages and and data structures we were really at a disadvantage understanding the talent and then being able to manage the talent in the army and so our our senior leaders really looked at this and said hey the army is really about people you know the air force has has jets and the navy has ships but the army really has its people. That's what it's known for. That's that's its competitive advantage is our formations that we're able to put into the field. But, you know, so we should probably focus on understanding the talents of our people better. And so really our senior leaders said, hey, when we attack that data problem and that system problem, let's also transform how we do HR. So don't do HR like we were doing it from 1950 on, where if you're an infantry captain, that's essentially how you're managed. All infantry captains are a little bit different. They bring some skill sets to the table, um, some experiences that are different. Let's let's really understand that. And so really we said, it's, let's use PeopleSoft to start to track more of these experiences and talents that individuals have. And let's transform our HR to more of a talent management system moving forward because uh, our senior leaders feel that that's really where we need to position ourselves moving into the middle of the century is really understanding our talents and then being able to use those talents for really hard problems. And, you know, again, on the face of it, it seems like a no brainer, right? Hey, we would, let's do this. That makes sense. But our infrastructure really wasn't in a place that we could do that. So um, using PeopleSoft, in Army terms, IPSA, right, is meant to really transform how we do HR to this talent management process. And, uh, you know, we say modernize our, our HR business in the Army.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because many of our customers have the same issue. But when they try to address talent management gaps, for some reason, it's easier to go outside the organization and hire for that than it is to figure out who in the organization already has that skill set and put them in that role, but we know that it 's much more costly to go outside the organization to do that, and in your case, uh, with the army, like you 've got your set group and you 've got to find that talent or the the folks that have that skill set as close as possible when they deploy um, you 're not going to go outside the army to get people. And I try to talk to customers about that too. If you can mine the data of the employees that you have and find that skill set, it's much easier and it's much cheaper uh, to be able to do that. Is that really the birth of the 25 point talent profile plan that I'd love for you to to talk about uh, today?
1: Yeah, yeah, it really really is. And, you know, the Army has a a pretty lengthy legacy of developing, you know, leaders. And that's kind of part of the business in the military is you're developing leaders to execute these hard national tasks that are given to us. So I think in that context, we're always looking internally to develop but we never had the infrastructure to be able to track some of that development or to really identify key skill sets that soldiers have. So like, for instance, I have a now a major on my team. He's an HR professional, but he's just a wizard when it comes to coding and data. Like he really could be a data scientist on the outside and making a lot of money for any company um, that's looking for a data scientist. But- He doesn't have a degree in it. He doesn't have certifications in it. He's just a self-taught expert kind of in this area. And so when you look at his HR record in the army, you go, oh, he went to uh, Virginia Commonwealth University. Oh, by the way, he ran track there for two years. So division one track, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty, uh, you know, commendable, Mm -hmm. not in his record in the army. And he was a psychology degree uh, major. So, right, no, nothing says that he's really this technical expert that could do um, a whole lot of things for the Army until you get to talking to him. And you go, wow, you have all this skill. You know, you can come to my team and help me think through data with our implementation of, you know, people software for, for a And he's been on the team and has really been one of the linchpins in the army to bring in additional talent in that that data arena you know when we when we think about the 25 point profile it's how do we track that to understand who's really the key performers in the army and so uh, when we were told hey start to track talent um, we started to think of a model and how to do it and we landed on the 25 point profile because it was It was easy to track we could say hey let's track knowledge skills behavior and experiences and then different points under those buckets and so we really are categorizing a whole set of of readiness in the army we call it readiness are you medically ready to deploy are you qualified with your weapon are you qualified or certified on a on a larger weapon system like a tank or a satellite system or some other piece of equipment that you need to use uh, in your job. But then also it's what other experiences and skills that you have. And this is where our our reserve and National Guard components come into play because most of those individuals have civilian jobs, right? So someone might be a city manager in Chicago. Someone might be a highway administrator in Tennessee shoot, we have farmers, you know, in the Midwest, all of those folks have inherent talents and knowledge that, you know, when you look at our deployments over the last 20 years to Afghanistan, Iraq, and the Middle East, they all came to play. You know, we did reconstruction and security operations in Afghanistan where, you know, a knowledge of road systems or highway administration actually came into play, you know, in the building of the ring road in Afghanistan. And so th- this 25-point profile is really meant to just to track those baseline talents and then be able to use them in the army. Now we have a competitive advantage because most of our soldiers will share that information with us. We just have to ask in most cases, and most soldiers will tell us. And so this is really at this point a, a really a voluntary, you know, phenomenon going on. As soldiers say, "Yeah, I have this skill set. I have this talent," and then we're using. PeopleSoft to then allow folks to self-profess that, and then marry that up with their their normal military record, which is showing hey they have a certification in that weapon system or or that piece of equipment, and then you have a record of that knowledge, skills, experience, etc. that we can use in a much more holistic way than we have in the past.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think back even just the places that I've worked in my career, and I bet every one of those organizations could tell you. At a drop of a hat, you know, where I went to school, what I studied in school, when I graduated, maybe even if I know any languages. But all of that kind of stems from when I applied for that job to begin with. Right. That's when they capture some of that information. And um, if you think about it, I mean, whatever I did in college, it's (laughs) it's not really relevant to what I'm doing right now. It's (laughs) such a it was such a lifetime ago. And when do I get an opportunity to tell anybody, let alone in a have it logged in a system about all the other skills that I've acquired along the way? Right. Whether it's a hobby, like you mentioned, with the major on your team or just uh, an acquired skill that I've just uh, gotten myself personally over time that I've done outside of work, which could be helpful to the organization in some way. It's never really captured. But it sounds like you have the culture at the army that people will, soldiers will voluntarily give you that information. I don't know if that's going to be true across the board with other customers, getting their employees to tell them about, uh, I have this certain skill that I used to, <laughs> I used to do whatever it is. Um, I, I wonder, uh, is it part of the, it's just part of the culture? You think maybe the competitive uh, culture, people want to want to be able to to tell, tell you what, what they do or I'm just trying to think what kind of advice maybe you can give to to other customers that want to capture that same information.
1: Yeah, I think I think part of it is is uh, you know culture of teams in the army. Where how do I help the team out? So so some of that's just you know that's the ethos also of of the military, right? You know, it's teams and we have to work together. Um, the whole team has to work together to actually get to the the end state or or to meet whatever mission. That we've been handed. And I mean, you you see the kind of work that we're doing across the world. Some some of that's not very easy. and It's very difficult scenarios. So in our case, as soon as we started asking for folks to come to the table with skill sets, I mean, we were getting a lot of interest from soldiers. And in one of these areas, like HR analytics, we we were really struggling early on in the IPSA program to really drive, hey, where are we going to go with analytics? We we really were, were able to pull in some some teammates again it's just innately they're really good at this kind of you know business but no degrees no formal certifications but they were always tinkerers you know with excel and access and really understood data so then they you know they would come to the team and do that there is kind of a movement also though in the military to start to incentivize certain skill sets so, how do I incentivize someone who has you know inclinations for technology to stay in and take a different position in an emerging field like cyber cyber defense for instance so I think the army right now is good we're going to use kind of both you know scenarios where we are asking for self profession but we're also um, going to incentivize certain skill sets that can be you know validated and then that's the the talent that you're retaining to stay in the the army longer. We're in an all volunteer force right now, so you're really staying in the army maybe for a certain period of time, but it's your choice to to leave at that point or not. Um th- that's, you know, similar in, in certain respects to to most civilian companies. Um so we're really trying to keep the very best talent as long as we can in the army as well, like most companies I think would.
0: Well, I think having that type of profile actually would help um, retain people. I think the more that I know as an employee, I'm contributing, whether it's to my own team, but more importantly, to the overall goal of the organization, I feel more compelled to stick it through and to do even more because I know that I'm impacting that that, that high-level objective. So, hey, use me however you can, right? I mean, whatever I can do to help um, whether it's what I was trained to do, what I learned in school, or what I've learned on my own, that just makes it much more appealing, I think.
1: Yeah, and I think if like we're really pushing folks to give us their preferences, so soldiers and officers, hey, tell us what your preferences are. Is it to stay in a location? Is it really to follow the job, um, or is it to use maybe some other skill set that you have? Like for instance, I'm an HR. Person, right? My 24 years, I've been an HR person, but I have a little bit of a background in economic development. You know, I went to Georgetown. I, you know, thesis was based on that. I've done some papers, and I certainly have been in the middle of Afghanistan and Iraq several times over my career. You know, I probably could be used in some capacity with that if the army needed that. But unless you're really looking hard at me, you wouldn't even know that that I have any of that kind of experience. So. Our use of the twenty-five point profile again. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to lay that out. I'm going to tell the army some of my mentors and things that we, I've written, and then we could be or I could be utilized in that capacity as well.
0: I think it's much easier for our customers that they can use a, a profile like this, a talent profile like this, much easier than you all can, right? I mean, because your deployments are so logistically challenging. You have no idea from the one minute to the next where you're going to get deployed and what you need to do. That's why I think it's even more important, right, that you all have that type of profile data so that you can mine it and you can find out in an instant who should be part of that first group that goes over and, and get deployed.
1: Right. Well, and to your point, you know, we're balancing you know that readiness thing I explained mm-hmm. before you, you know it seems a little nebulous but all it is is hey can you medically go to some place that doesn't have a big hospital yeah. so you got to you know you, you got to be okay you, you know, dental medical all that has to be okay for you to to deploy into you know certain regions so we're always watching that as well as th- this mix of skill sets you know and there's roughly probably 200-plus skill sets in the Army that we always have to balance with that medical readiness to be able to deploy. So that alone is tough to do at any given moment. But, you know, with the 25-point profile, we're really trying to build that out. And then we do have that scale scenario we got to deal with, right? So a million folks is quite a few um, to deal with.
0: Yeah, I would say. <laughs> now, <laughs>
1: the, uh, the other part no of No pressure yeah, on this side. Yeah, exactly, no
0: right? <laughs> So the other the other part of this, uh, so that's on the soldier side, and being prepared and having the talent profile ready, to, so that you increase your like your readiness and increase your likelihood to succeed. Which, in your situation, is life and death many times, right? Yeah. The, the the other The other side of this is for the HR admin, which again, all of our customers have a set of HR admins that are the primary use, uh, user of the system, at least the power user of the system. I know that you have a goal to transition your HR admins, which have typically been more operational in nature, right? Data gathering, data tracking, following policy, et cetera, to being a little bit more analytical. Can you talk a little bit about that and why you think that's important?
1: Absolutely. We usually say in in the Army, the, the HR folks have traditionally been pretty transactional. You know, so uh, oversight of compliance, you know, tracking of of that readiness status, and then, you know, things like awards and evaluations. So really basic transactions. That's all important stuff. We need to do that. But what we're really driving for in our modernization is as you bring the data into one system, and then you can start to track the transactional nature of the system, we think we're going to get a lot more insights into the problems that are in the army, what soldiers are having issues with, where the real pay problems are. And then in the army, we talk about cohesion. So teams and how cohesive they are really mean something when they deploy. And so how do we understand the variables that drive something like cohesion? You know, how do we how do we better prepare units and teams to be cohesive so they can deploy and do their, their mission better? when they deploy. And we think that HR folks in the army really need to start to build that business analyst skill that they could start to take those types of feedback of of what the data is saying in the system, and then really start to make use of that data. And then, you know, to be honest, we don't have a formal system today for workflow. So, I mean, it's hard to imagine maybe for, for folks, but we're still using electronic forms and then sending them on email to mailboxes and really working actions that way. All of that's going to move into IPSA as we go live and release three. And so that too takes a certain mindset to manage, especially at the scale that we're talking about. And then, wait, there's more. We're going to add pay onto HR the responsibility of h r soldiers as well in the Army, so that's done by a different specialty today. but as we roll out it, say release three, release four, then that also becomes uh, the role of of that h r specialist so or h r admin as as you've mentioned. So we think that's really important though to to kind of build that business analyst skill set so we don't get overwhelmed by the data as we start to go post 21 you know once we get release 3 out
0: yeah it's really easy to especially when you look at the volume that you have it's very easy as a hr specialist to just get focused on processing transaction after transaction and not be able to kind of see patterns forming or having enough insight into uh where issues are maybe maybe forming right so that we can maybe help with that workload that workflow and that workload that that's coming through i think um hr specialists are becoming more and more advocates for the operation and they're the ones that are in the most unique perspective they have the most unique perspective of what's going on because they see all the actions coming in as a manager um or you know in the case of a of a customer site uh, as a manager or director um you don't necessarily know that you don't know what's going on because you don't see all of that data. You don't see where your talent gaps are. Right. You don't see where maybe you need to hire people or maybe you have too many people. Th- that type of stuff is usually seen by someone in HR. And uh, the more analytical they can be and know how to use that data, I think the better. I think you're really onto something there.
1: Well, I, it, and I, I like the way that you put it. So, in businesses, there's business goals. And, you know, really, how do you shape HR to shape decisions that are facilitating, you know, you getting to the the business goal? Mm-hmm. In, in the army, we don't necessarily have a business goal, but we have what's called a commander's intent. So that unit commander says, this is what we're trying to get to. So it's like a business goal. It's just not monetary in nature. So, we're really trying to train, uh, train the HR specialist to help with those patterns and insights to facilitate decisions to get to the commander's intent. And in this case, a lot of it's about how do you match talent with positions in these units and build cohesive teams so you can deploy rapidly? That skill set, it's the same skill set you need. Um, so, hey, I'm looking at who's in my unit, who's deployable. Um, when do they, when do they move and then who's coming in behind them and how do we align that with training? So then, you know, teams and 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 crews can be certified. Um, so all these things are going on in these army units all the time. And we really need that HR specialist to help, you know, commanders think through all of those variables. And we, we kind of joke in the Army, hey, tracking a piece of equipment's pretty easy, right? You know, you get it from the depot, it shows up, you just have to do some maintenance on it, right? It's going to be good. You'll be able to take it out to the field. People make, you know, interesting decisions, right? People are a little messy. Life happens, life choices, all kinds of things impact cohesion in the Army. So um, really that HR specialist is meant to help think through those patterns and insights and what i think robin will end up doing here in the next 4 to 5 years is really revolutionize some of the educational training courses that we give to hr specialists to really help build that that skill set so they'll have a lot of training tied to to ipse this is how ipse operates this is how it works but also here's some some basic business analyst skills that would be helpful in addition to how, how would you operate IPse?
0: It sounds like you want them to be more of a partner than an administrator. That makes a, a lot of sense. And I think that bodes well for anybody who has that role, you know, even in, in other businesses and other customers, uh, because you, if you bring that perspective to the table, you can really help the bottom line of the organization, help them meet whatever that goal is, that corporate goal is, or in your case, what the army's goal is, I think that it uh, it helps us not have to just do admin and not be the one that says, well, you can't can't do this or you can't do that, right? I mean, we don't always want to be that in HR. We want to be able to facilitate and 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 add to the bottom line and to really have a seat at the table when it comes to strategic decisions. And I think that's what that does.
1: The other thing that's really, I think, at least it excites me. You know, I can be a little nerdy about this, but you know, CRM, for instance. So the the army doesn't have a CRM software platform for its HR uh, services right now and so we'll roll that out with release 3 it, you know it's really training that HR specialist to now use the system in performing you know support of soldiers before that soldier would have to come in person to an HR office and ask for you know help maybe my records wrong or i need to you know update something or even you know, do a leave form, you know, an absence. With CRM, we kind of see our work shifting in a way that you know, hey, you can do a lot of this stuff virtually now. You know, in the National Guard, we saw a big bonus with having IPse running because HR professionals didn't have to go into the armories to do their work; they could do their work from their homes. Support you know, mobilizations of National Guard soldiers from their homes just a big upgrade in capability on, on a bunch of fronts. And so we're really excited about that as, as we go. So you can maybe uh, eliminate some of the the face-to-face touch points and get a little more efficient with some of that assistance we're we're given to to individual soldiers.
0: For those who may not know, just from your deployment to the national guardsmen, you're one of our larger customers. Once you're rolled out, um, I think you said phase three, when you'll have for all of the soldiers, you're looking at over 1.3 million uh, users in the system, and how how many admins are you thinking roughly? You would have admin users or specialist. I'm sorry, users would you have
1: for that million? It's it would be over twenty thousand.
0: Twenty thousand, yeah. We have some customers that don't even have twenty thousand employees, right? So just just to just to know how the 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 scale of. Um, of what the army is doing with PeopleSoft, is, it's it's uh, it's astounding and impressive um, uh, for me. That's why I always enjoy talking to you because I it helps puts things in perspective, particularly when we talk to different customers who may have challenges around getting the most they can out of PeopleSoft. I always reference the army, <laughs> how you guys are able to do it. What kind of advice do you have for organizations that are looking at maybe getting more out of profiles and and maybe building their own profile, their own 20, I don't know how many points they want to do, but what, what sort of advice do you have for other organizations who may want to, to track talent?
1: You know, we started when I was told we want to make this more of a talent management system and we really want to track these talents. Then, you know, I really went um, internal to my team and said, Hey, I think we probably should just start with some working groups and pull in, you know, the smartest people that you can think of um, and ask collectively, hey, what what are the talents that individuals are interested in tracking that we don't track today? And and Robin, honestly, that that was a really good approach because it's simple in nature, but it brought people in to multiple whiteboard sessions. And we really just made a lot of money with that, that kind of a approach. So we were, we were very open in, you know, what ideas could be thrown onto the whiteboard. And then as you got all of that in, um, then you started to, you know, really think through, okay, what did people say? You know, in the army, we have, we have officers, we have NCOs, we have warrant officers, right? All with different roles. We made sure that we had representation from all of those groups. And then, also from the three components and so you know our reserves and national guard are like hey you really need to to track more efficiently efficiently our civilian work experience so that's that's where that that came up from and and some things were pretty straightforward you know if you've deployed and the job you did while you were deployed is sometimes different than what your specialty is so let's track that regional experience or re- regional competency. So if your family's from, say, East Africa, you, you know, we have significant, diverse um, soldiers um, from different backgrounds and different regions, first generation, you know, you name it. Um, there's all this background knowledge and skills of cultures, of languages. And again, if, if you're brought up certain, with certain languages in the home, you may not have that in your HR record especially if you're not going to get paid for it. So we're like, "Well, okay, you're you're not going to get paid for that, but I'd really want to know what dialects, you know, what other languages you might understand. And then if you have any kind of understanding culturally, then I want to know that too, because that's really important as we as we operate in the world." But we started that way. We just put a lot of feedback, and then when we bucketed it, 25 points sounds, you know, easy. But it's it's probably two hundred data points underneath that, and so profile allows you to kind of array that. We've really worked on our mobile access to allow soldiers to then really easily self-profess off of their mobile phones. You know these things that we're we're asking to track in the, in the twenty five point profile. So I would say start easy, and you got to have leaders in certain areas that are very interested in certain skill sets and prioritize tracking those and then work from there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great, uh, a great approach. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, the fact that I personally know other languages, but I've never really told anybody that because it's never come up, (laughs) you know, and in some cases it's almost more important to understand the culture than it is the language. Yeah. And uh, I think you hit the nail on the head is just things like, if you didn't ask your team to sit down and just whiteboard, what do we need to know? Um, you would just, you'd be thinking about things from the other end, which is, okay, what are the certifications somebody has? What are the languages that they, that they're proficient in? Right. But um, you know, you're, you're really short-sighting all the other things that that person knows. So that's, so, so, um, and having customers whiteboard kind of what are the things that they need to know today, and then I'm guessing having their team learn profile management, right, in Peoplesoft, so that they can figure out how to track that information. Was that kind of the next step there?
1: Yeah, I mean, in the army, we we have an acquisition core that helps us, you know, build out the capability of the software, um, and then we'll usually have an integrator. And so when we kind of worked out those requirements, then we had sessions, uh, design sessions with those folks to really lay out, hey, this is how we would like to use it. You know, what do you see from the product? And then we worked some iterations and prototypes, and and then landed with the, the final design solution. And you know, I mean, Robin, I, I would share too some other interesting things have come out of those initial sessions. You know, then the Army came back and said okay, some of these things we want to validate through assessments. So let's take some of those skills and then let's go formalize an assessment that we would use. And then we'll use that a little bit differently. And then as they started to think through these different talents and skills, we started talking a lot about succession planning. So who are the next few people that could do those jobs if that's the skill sets needed for that job? You know, the product has really allowed us to start to move in a much more deeper understanding of what talent is needed by position because of those very early drills with just a bunch of folks whiteboarding. But, you know, the, the so our steps really leading us to, you know, what our senior leaders call HR modernization.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of chicken or egg type of things going on there, right? Because I need to know the talent profile before I can tell you who could be a successor for a key position or role. But then also, I don't know who that successor should be unless I have all that talent information. So it's kind of, um, it. They, they kind of complement each other. And you need to know both in order to be able to do both. And it opens up so much more when you're able to just, number one, capture that information, um, to capture that talent information. It opens up so many uh, more avenues. Like you said, you were able to do succession planning, which, I have to admit with with many of our customers, it's on their list to do, Uh, but sometimes it gets pushed down the priority list because other things come about. So then they they end up basically saying, well, maybe we'll just do succession planning for the top 10 people in the company, right? Which I agree is very important, but there's some really key positions lower than the top 10 or top 20 or even top 100. That uh, can hurt a company more if that person left without a successor. Right. Uh, but we we end up we end up not doing it uh, because we don't have all the data that we need.
1: Yeah. You know, obviously, early on there was a lot of back and forth too. Well, we can't do this because we don't have that. And so our approach was, hey, just start running working groups. And you, you got to get the the ball moving down the field. We always use sports analogies in the in the, in the army. So our ode to, you know, Steph Curry, just keep shooting and, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to either win the game or, you know, you're going to get it close. You know, if you don't shoot, then, you know, it's game overs already. So, you know, we just force these working groups and, you know, you start to get good crosstalk and then, you know, move. And honestly, I don't think our HR modernization is going to be done in the next three, four years, right? It's going to take some time you know, the Army is massive, but we're putting the pieces in to really get us some momentum so as you get to the latter part of the 20s and then as you move into the 30s, we're really starting to holistically change how we operate in this entirety of the of the army
0: that makes sense so as you talk about kind of the future there, um, kind of my final question for you today is what does the future hold for IPSA? I mean, I know you have a plan in place for your rollout, and we've talked about a couple of great initiatives that will come about that. What do you see as the future for IPSA?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, up front, it's the HR talent system that's going to be around for a while. So release three is this, this December, and then release four will add payroll, um, which is really probably targeted in the 25 timeframe. And then, we have lots of requirements that are really right after that. So, holistically tying all benefits, um, we we say retention actions, um, and then a whole lot of deployment accountability type functions. You know, one of the things that that we'll end up doing is is disconnected ops. So, if you're in an area that you can't operate um, with a signal, you know, you can do some transactions and and then come back to a signal and, and update those um, that that's, you know, some real life capability that we'll need in the future. Um, so it, you know, a lot, a lot on the table, but first thing is get a whole army in and then let's add payroll and then let's just incrementally upgrade after that. So quite, quite a bit's on the, on the docket, I think um, um, to get, to get done for the army.
0: Yeah. No, it sounds like uh, it's going to definitely keep you busy for a long time. Well, Colonel Johnson, I have to tell you, it's been my absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, You're one of my favorite people to talk to. I mean that genuinely. And I always learn something new when I talk to you. So I appreciate you for that. So thank you for taking the time to talk with me today.
1: Thanks, Robin. Appreciate being here.
0: I want to thank everyone for listening and for your support. Don't forget to help spread the word about the PeopleSoft chat podcast and contact me with your suggestions for future guests and topics. Until then, be well and be safe. Thank you for listening to the PeopleSoft chat podcast. If you have any feedback or questions, please reach out to Robin at robin.belitem at
1: oracle.com.